Welcome to this sermon podcast from Myo Baptist Church, and thank you for listening to today's message. We pray that God's Word will be an encouragement to you and a reminder that the Bible has all the answers to living a successful and fulfilled life. Again, thanks for listening. We now join the service in progress. Your Bibles were in Proverbs chapter 20. The Bible has, thankfully, a lot to say about stewardship, about money, about our finances. And we're focusing on that this month with the express hope that it will be a blessing to you. As your pastor, I I don't like the idea of anybody in this church, a single individual or a couple, a family, doesn't matter. I just hate the idea that you would be experiencing financial anxiety. That's a bad anxiety to have. So be thankful that the Bible isn't silent. The Bible has a lot to say about money. Even in the book of Proverbs, it has a whole lot to say. And if you will listen, and if you will change your life accordingly, you can go from financial anxiety to financial peace. And again... If you need help along the way and encouragement, more than even what you're getting here on Sunday morning, do indeed sign up for that Financial Peace University. It's a video series. And by the way, the $104 doesn't go to me. It doesn't go to Brother Casey, who's going to be running the course. It doesn't go to our church. This is what we have to pay to to get the material here. And I understand, you know, $104, okay, that's what they're charging us, so that's what we've got to charge you. But... It could be the best 104 bucks you've ever spent. And if you don't have the 104 bucks, there are people in this church who have said, we'll, we'll help out for those that, that can't afford it. And that just speaks to the, the goodness and the generosity of our folks. But this morning, I want us to focus on a very important topic. One of the keys to financial peace, as you're going to hear this morning, not necessarily from me, but from God's word, is that financial peace requires demands hard work. To have financial peace, you have to work, you have to work diligently. One of the many verses that says that is Proverbs chapter 20 and verse number 13. Listen to what it says. Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. You see, I wasn't kidding. The Bible talks about finances. The Bible compares lazy people with hardworking people. And the last thing anybody would ever want to be labeled is lazy. And yet, apparently, because the Bible speaks so much on this topic, it must be a pretty big problem. Because I don't know necessarily who is lazy and who's not lazy. But God knows, and he knows it's a sufficient enough problem that he has to address it. And again, he says, love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Well, I don't feel like going to work today. I'm tired. I'm just going to sleep in. And, you know, I can't find a job that, that allows me to sleep in till 10. So, you know, and, and on and on it goes. But it says, open thine eyes. In other words, wake up, go to work, and you'll be satisfied. You'll, you'll have what you need. Here's a great illustration of what we're talking about. There are typically three kinds of workers. For example, 
when a piano is to be moved, the first kind of worker gets behind and pushes, the second pulls and guides, and the third grabs the piano stool. There are in our society way too many piano stool grabbers. I talk to businessmen all the time. There are businessmen in this room I have had this conversation with who tells me their greatest challenge in running a business is employees and being able to find competent, hardworking, dependable employees. My next-door neighbor, who has a place next to us, it's his, you know, his getaway place. He lives in northern Ohio. He runs a big business in five different states. He runs, if you break down in a big rig, he has those big repair trucks that go out. But he also has some big garages, and he operates Michigan, uh, Illinois, Ohio, uh, Indiana, I think Pennsylvania maybe, or yeah, Pennsylvania. Anyway, he was up this weekend, and he has a, a, a large number of employees, and we've stood out in my yard talking, and I said, Jim, you know, how's, how's business? Business is good. He said, but the challenge, he says, Pastor, he said, I can't get people to work. He said, I, I can't get them to work, or they'll show up, and they'll work for two days, and they don't even call in. They, they just disappear. Haven't you heard the word entitled a lot here in recent years? A lot of people simply feel entitled. Somebody, for whatever reason, owes me. The verse we're looking at this morning teaches that one of the keys to achieving financial peace is to work hard. A lazy person, it says, is going to sleep in, is going to sleep and value that and going to end up in poverty. But a working person that gets up and goes to work, open his eyes, it says he's satisfied. Now, what would you rather? Would you rather live your life living in financial anxiety, worrying about this, not having enough, can't pay your bills? Or would you like to eliminate that anxiety and live with financial peace? What are we talking about? We defined it last week. We'll repeat it again this morning. What is financial peace? We're defining financial peace as a state of financial contentment. I don't have to worry. A state of financial contentment attained by faithfully applying financial biblical principles to your finances and being content with what God supplies. And last week, We cited, I think it was, no, it was Dave Ramsey. We cited him. The blessings that come with financial peace. And we'll repeat them real quick. One, one of the blessings when you get financial peace is it strengthens relationships. They say that one of the leading causes of divorces is money. And it's usually not because couples have too much. It's because they don't have enough and they fight over it. Financial peace brings a sense of hope and freedom. Folks, you can go from financial financial anxiety to financial peace in a relatively short time. And when you find out that you are debt-free, you talk about the weight of the world off your shoulders. It's one of the blessings. Financial peace changes your family tree. Some people come from a history of of just being poor, poverty-stricken. And usually it's associated with a lot of bad habits or a lot of bad influences. And when you, attain, when you do what is necessary to follow biblical principles that you will achieve financial peace, then it changes your family tree. And maybe you set in place a new generation going in a different direction, a better direction. But financial peace allows you the freedom to give generously. 
Do you? Are you? Do you tithe? Just answer that in your own mind. Do you tithe? If not, why not? Probably because you don't have financial peace. Are you able to give generously? We have people in this room who do work hard, who have followed biblical principles, and they're able to do things like come to me and say, Pastor, if there's a a couple that can't afford the Financial Peace University, uh, I can sponsor one person or, 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 or two people. Those, those are the people, typically, that have been following biblical principles. So understand the, the importance of it. And to be able to give generously. I, I know that folks, have Christians for years, have debated tithe, well, it's Old Testament, it's New Testament. Whatever the case, this I know for sure. With 100% certainty, God expects you to be generous. God expects you to be generous. Now, how can he expect you to be generous if you don't have it? And if you don't have it, let me ask you the question, why don't you have it? And I guarantee you, in most cases, it's because somebody's doing things their way, trying to impress people. Try, you know, let, let, letting their, their eyes get big, and I got to have this, and I got to have that. And before you know it, the credit card debt is 10000 15000 20000 And I'm not throwing you under the bus. What I'm telling you today is you can have debt that big, and I'm telling you, you change the way you think, you learn God's principles, you will get out of debt, and you will be able to give generously. And there's not a much better feeling in the world, and I want you to experience that feeling. We said last week to have financial peace, you had to have a biblical philosophy of money. Okay? We're talking about how you gain financial peace. In our first message last week, the message was to have financial peace, you have to have a biblical philosophy of money. And again, we're focusing on Proverbs. Doesn't the Bible have a lot to say about this? And you're so blessed that it does. In Proverbs chapter 30, last week we read, Two things have I required of thee, deny me them not before I die. One, don't uh, you know, remove far from me vanity and lies. We didn't focus on that. We, we focused on his second prayer, where he said, Give me neither poverty nor riches. Feed me with food convenient for me. And the reason why, lest I be full and deny thee and say, Who is the Lord? Or lest I be poor and steal and take the name of my God in vain. We simply wanted you to understand that it's not necessarily a sin to be poor if the Lord allows that. It's not a sin to be wealthy if the Lord allows that. But what this this verse is teaching us is be aware of the dangers of either. There are unique dangers that come when you are living persistently in poverty. And there can be unique dangers to those who God has blessed. The ultimate thing is... Ask God to give you what you need. That was last week. To have financial peace, you have to have not your idea of money or how it ought to be done. But to have financial peace, you must have a biblical philosophy of money. Today, to achieve financial peace, you must work diligently. Again, Proverbs twenty thirteen: Love not sleep, lest thou come to... Poverty. Open thine eyes. In other words, don't sleep. Wake up. Go to work. And thou shalt be satisfied with bread. There are so many blessings associated with hard work. 
So many, yeah, you heard right. There are so many blessings associated with hard work. Look at this quote. Work, hard work, is a blessing to the soul and character of the man who works. Being forced to work and forced to do your best will breed in you temperance and self-control, diligence and strength of will, cheerfulness and contentment. And listen to this, that last phrase. And a hundred virtues which the idle man will never know. Isn't that a great quote? Hard work will produce in you virtues that the lazy man, the lazy woman, will never know. I really believe that financial anxiety is a, kind of like a curse on lazy people that they have to deal with. But a good work ethic can eliminate financial anxiety and bring financial peace. Now let me make something extremely clear. Because I know when I stand in this pulpit, the Lord can work on your heart. But Satan can work on your heart too. To try to make you think you're hearing something that you're really not hearing so that you can be offended and not come back and get the blessings of God. So let me be clear about this. This does not mean... Are you listening? This does not mean that everyone who is experiencing financial anxiety is lazy. I am not saying that everybody that's going through tough times is lazy. Are you hearing me? But I am saying it does mean that if you are lazy, you're going to experience financial anxiety. It's quiet in here. Should I leave, Sharon, or keep going? Keep going? Okay, keep going. You know, as I'm preparing this, I know, oh, now somebody's going to come to the conclusion, you know, we work hard, but, you know, my husband lost his job, and pastor said we're lazy. No, you know if you're lazy or not. You know, it's, it's it's not, I'm not calling anybody lazy. I'm telling you what Bible principles say. I'm just telling you what, now let the, let the Holy Spirit do it. Now, if you're lazy, you're lazy. You know, if you're lazy, you're just, if you are lazy, then you just deal with the Word of God. Here's how important it is. We're looking at, at, at Proverbs, but last week I, I went into the New Testament. I'll do that right now because there's an important verse there. Here's how much Scripture emphasizes hard work. 2 Thessalonians 3.10, For even when we were with you, Paul said, This we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat. It didn't say if any could not work. It says, if any, would not work. That's the Bible. You can't do any better than the Bible. And if you're going to take on the Bible, be careful. Be careful. You can argue with God. Be be very, very careful. Hard work is emphasized and encouraged in the Bible because the opposite, laziness, is, is condemned. Proverbs. Got a lot to say about hard work and laziness. Proverbs 6.6, 6. go to the ant, thou sluggard, lazy person. Consider her ways and be wise, which having no guide, overseer, or ruler, provideth her meat in the summer and gathereth her food in the harvest. The ant, it is pointing out here, is industrious. The ant is doing what it has to do. The ant isn't being lazy. The ant is working hard. And then it says in the next verse, 
Proverbs does a lot of com- contrast and comparison. And the next verse it says, or it asks the question, How long wilt thou sleep, O sluggard, or lazy person? When wilt thou rise out of thy sleep? Yet a little sleep, a little slumber, a little folding of the hands to sleep, it's going to have consequences. You're going to pay a price. If sleeping in means more to you than getting up and going to work, there's a price. So shall thy poverty come as one that traveleth, and thy want as an armed man. There's a price to pay. And as I say many times here, that's like a theorem, a thesis, whatever. Okay, go out these doors into what we call, what I call the laboratory of life and see if it's the lazy people that are prospering. And see, on the other hand, if it's the hardworking people that are prospering. And you will see that the Bible is 100% true. Here in this passage, it's comparing an ant with a sluggard, and the ant works hard, has plenty to eat, the sluggard is lazy, and the sluggard is going to experience poverty faster than a man can be robbed. That's what it means, somebody that traveleth and he's robbed. Poverty is going to come on you faster than that. You know, I love quotes. I found three great quotes as it relates to work. One is by Thomas Edison. He said, we often miss opportunity because it's dressed in overalls and looks like work. Isn't that a great quote? I like this one even better. I don't know who to... I, it was kind of an anonymous quote. Striving for success without hard work is like trying to harvest where you haven't planted. That is a great quote. Striving for success without hard work is like trying to harvest where you haven't planted. And I like this kind of down-home humor from Mark Twain. Don't go around saying the world owes you a living. <coughs> the world owes you nothing. It was here first. Now let me add this other qualifier before we move on. If you want to have financial peace, it's critical that you work hard, that you be dependable, that you be trustworthy, that you have integrity. But understand this, people who are sick, injured, elderly, Mentally slow or mentally incapacitated, however you want to phrase it. I wasn't sure the politically correct way to say it. Or who are victims of a bad economy, and sometimes that happens. A plant will shut down. Those people are to be cared for and supported. But everybody else that can work needs to work. There is a place for charity. There is a place for generosity. There is a place God commands us to meet the needs of other people. And that could be the case with widows sometimes. It could be with orphans. It could be with people who are sick, people who have been injured, people who have become elderly, people who have some kind of mental handicap, some person is just a a victim of a, of a, a bad economic situation. I would be the first one to say we ought to help those people. But of the lazy, those that can work but don't work, they shouldn't eat. You're not obligated to give them a handout. In fact, you do them a disfavor. 
very quickly. A lot to cover here yet. Let's look at what the Bible says are the serious consequences with laziness. There are bad consequences associated with laziness. The Bible is very clear about that. Let me give you three of them. Number one, laziness produces frustration. Laziness produces frustration. You don't want to be a lazy person because you're going to be a frustrated person. Proverbs 13, 4. The soul of the sluggard, here it is, desireth and hath nothing. But the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. We're just focusing on the first half here. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing. That's just frustration. Frustration. You know, wonder why, why, you know, you, you, you get upset with other people who are blessed, who are going to work, who are being dependable, who are being trustworthy, and they're giving it their all, whether they're making minimum wage or they're making $100,000 a year. They've been hired. They're going to give it their best. They're going to do their best, and God's going to bless that. And you... For whatever reason, you know, can't hold down a job, won't hold down a job, or what have you, you're going to desire, but you're going to have nothing. I read that and I said, well, that equals frustration. That's part of that financial anxiety. Matthew Henry said this the desire of the slothful concerning this verse, which should be his excitement, which is work, he should be excited about work, is his torment, which should make him busy makes him always uneasy and is really, get this, a greater toil to him than labor would be. In other words, what Matthew Henry is saying there, he's, he's feeling so much frustration over not working, not, not being dependable. Life would be a whole lot easier if you just go to work. You know, for some reason, in some people's mind, they think, well, that's just too stressful going to work. No, what he's saying here, it's greater toil to him than labor would be. So, number one, laziness produces frustration. That's Bible. But he goes beyond that. Number two, laziness produces, sadly, dependence. Laziness produces dependence. Proverbs 24 the sluggard, or lazy person, will not plow by reason of the cold. I'm not going to work. It's too cold out there. Therefore shall he beg in harvest and have nothing. Well, somebody went out and planted. Because somebody's harvesting. Somebody went out in the cold. But somebody else chose not to go out in the cold. So that individual's got a handout. Not because of tough economic times, but because it was too cold. Well, again, according to this verse, somebody went out there. Somebody went out there and planted. Somebody went out there and harvested. And now the lazy is dependent upon the worker. You know, again, I, I want to be balanced here. There are people in need who we ought to help. Through, even through government agencies, that may not be the best way to do it, but that's a way to do it. But, you know, I've talked to people that are out there that know, that tell me so many people are bilking the system, are lying to get a handout. You ever watch Judge Judy? If you do, you know where I'm going already. She'll be talking to somebody there, and this person just looks unkept, undisciplined. I mean, you just tell, you know, when, when you got a branding iron through your ear and a clothes hanger through your nose... That, that just, you know, I'm sorry, you're not going to work the front desk. 
And Judy will sense in them a character issue. And they'll say, well, I get this, and I get this from the government. I get this, and I get this, and I get this from the government. And Judy says, no, you don't get that from the government. You get that from me. You get that from Burton. You get that from the working people in this room. Government doesn't have any money except what they take from you. You understand that? Civics 101 this morning. Government doesn't have money except what they take from you and me. And what they take that goes for a good reason, fine. Those people that are really in need, people that are really handicapped, people that really can't work, I'm all in. Let's help them. I'd probably say let's help them a little more. Let's go an extra mile as a church. But understand that laziness produces dependence. Again, quote from Matthew Henry, those that will not plow in seed time cannot expect to reap in harvest. And therefore, they must beg their bread with astonishment when the diligent are bringing home their sheaves with joy. He that will not not submit to the labor of plowing must submit to the shame of begging. So laziness produces frustration. Laziness, according to Scripture, produces dependence. Number three, laziness produces indolence. What is indolence? I had to look it up. Wasn't sure myself. That means wanting to avoid activity or exertion. People that don't want to, uh, people that avoid activity or exertion are indolent. Proverbs twenty six sixteen says, "The sluggard, lazy man, is wiser in his own conceit than seven men that can render a reason." The vanity of a lazy person who has every excuse in the world not to work is just producing more laziness. It is a vicious cycle. Again, a Matthew Henry quote, It is the sluggard above all men that is thus self-conceited. Every person through the many years I've been in ministry that I have thought to be lazy has in their own eyes thought themselves to be the smartest person in the world. They have every answer in the world for why they're in the position they're in, and it's always somebody else's fault. It is the sluggard above all men that is thus self-conceited, for his good opinion of himself is the cause, his good opinion of himself is the cause of his slothfulness. He will not take pains to get wisdom because he thinks he is wise enough already. A conceit of the sufficiency of our attainments is a great enemy to our improvement. That was heavy there at the end. Bears repeating. A conceit of the sufficiency of our attainments is a great enemy to our improvements. So, laziness produces frustration, produces dependence, produces indolence. Let's be positive now. How about hard work? The blessings of work. Three. Number one, work gives life. Work gives life. Proverbs 10, 16, the labor of the righteous tendeth to life. There are blessings to hard work. Hard work is not a result of the curse. Work was instituted before the curse when God said to Adam and Eve, you know, here's your responsibilities. And God obviously has worked in, in creation. I like what it says here. Honest labor brings its own reward in the blessing of God and a long and peaceful life. Work gives life. And that is so true. To go to work, to accomplish something, that work to 
provide for your family, to provide for your future. Work gives life. Work gives increase. Proverbs 13, 11, Wealth gotten by vanity shall be dis- diminished, but he that gathereth by labor shall increase. Work gives increase. You, you, you work and you invest and you save and you're frugal and you live with self-control. You don't have to keep up with the Joneses. Where are the Joneses? There they are. Don't try to keep up with them. You'll never, it'll never work. They're so far ahead of all of us that it's just a, a, don't even try to keep up with the Joneses. I guess you're the ones they talk about when they make that statement. Work gives increase. Again, concerning that verse, Matthew Henry said, that which is got by industry and honesty, honesty will grow more instead of growing less. It will be a maintenance. It will be an inheritance. It will be an abundance. So just like there's a curse with laziness, there's blessings with work. Work gives life, work gives increase, and work gives profit. Proverbs 14, 23, in all labor there is profit. In all labor there is profit. One writer noted these three things. Labor is profitable to our physical health. Labor is profitable to our character. Labor is profitable to our social comforts. And let me tell you, when we talk about labor, some people primarily do physical labor. Some people do mental labor. I like these two quotes about that. Physical labor not only cultivates the field and builds the house and clothes the naked, but it gives strength to the muscles and health to the whole body. At the same time, mental labor not only designs the paintings or the sculpture or the oratorio and writes the poem or the history, but it invigorates the mind and braces all the mental uh, faculties. So there is profit. There's, There's multiple layers of profit that come with a man that works. This next quote, I don't know why I hadn't heard it before. Maybe you have. It's from Stephen Covey. Some of you would know who, who that is. I love this quote. I am not a product of my circumstances. I am a product of my decisions. That's life-changing. In our entitlement society, so many people think, well, I'm just, a, you know, this country owes me. I'm not a product of my circumstances. I'm a product of my decisions. Very quickly, again, I realize the vast majority of people in this room work hard. Okay? And some of you can't work as hard as you used to. That's going to happen to all of us if the Lord allows us to live to an old age. But there was a time when you did work hard. And there's a time people in this room, again, some of the hardest working people I know are in this room looking at me right now. But maybe you're here and your parents have gotten on your case. Your wife has gotten on your case. Your husband's gotten on your case. You say, you know, if I'm going to be honest, and that's hard for a lazy person to do, but if I'm going to be honest, I need to change but I'm not real sure how to do that. Here we go. Here's how you do it. Number one, all from Scripture. Number one, you want to go from being a sluggard to a a diligent laborer. Number one, quit making excuses. Now, I can hear an amen on that one, folks. Amen? Quit making excuses. 
Proverbs 24, the sluggard will not plow, we already looked at this, by reason of the cold. That is obviously, in the context of that verse, an excuse. The emphasis in that verse is on a lazy person making an excuse. If you don't want to be a lazy person, quit making excuses. I like this quote. Excuse, the lie you tell yourself to make yourself feel better about justifying your lack of responsibility for your own life and the life of your family. So very simply, quit making excuses. Your wife doesn't want to hear it anymore. Your husband doesn't want to hear it anymore. Your parents don't want to hear it anymore. Your family doesn't want to hear it anymore. You know, you come up with every excuse in the world, just like, oh, it's too cold. No, don't, don't make excuses. Number two. Stop the bad habits that promote laziness. A lot of people, especially this day and age in which we live, have so many bad habits that are going to either directly or indirectly promote laziness. Proverbs 26, 14. See how many verses there are that deal with this? It must be a big problem. Proverbs 26, 14. As the door turneth upon its hinges, so doth the slothful turn upon his bed. It's a habit. It's just a habit of of wanting to sleep in every day. And when you sleep in every day, you're not going to get up. You're not going to go to work. You need to stop the bad habits that promote laziness. You say, what bad habits? Here we go. Alcohol and drugs, bad friends, late nights, video game addictions, quitting at the first sign of a problem, social media addiction, keeping you up to all hours of the night, a messy house, spending time with losers, can't follow instructions, can't take a rebuke. All of those are, all of those are things that will promote laziness. You got to quit those. You got to change the people you're hanging around. You got to change the way you're thinking. And number three, lastly, I didn't know any other way to put it, but I just love the word. Learn to be professional. Learn to be professional. You got a verse for that? Yep. The soul of the sluggard desireth and hath nothing, but the soul of the diligent shall be made fat. Diligent, I think, is uh, synonymous with being professional. Diligence means steady application in business of any kind, constant effort to accomplish what is undertaken, exertion of body or mind without unnecessary delay or sloth, due attention and industry. Diligence, I think, is synonymous. You you, you put in the word professional, not do the the verse any harm. Uh, A person that is professional is somebody who is courteous, who is conscientious, who is businesslike in, 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 in the workplace. It's somebody filled with integrity. You can tell when you're around a professional person, and you can tell when you're not around a professional person. And you need to learn what it means to be professional. In part, it means showing up on time, showing up clean, showing up and, and willing to do the task at hand. Professional means you're not above doing certain tasks. Professional means you're going to give it your best and you're going to do so with the right spirit and you're going to be courteous. You're going to be professional. We're done here. One quote and one verse. Last quote. And I love this. This is attributed to Martin Luther King. He said, If a man is called to be a street sweeper, he should sweep streets even as Michelangelo painted. 
I could not agree more. Or Beethoven composed music. Or Shakespeare wrote poetry. He should sweep streets so well that all the host of heaven and earth will pause to say, here lived a great street sweeper who did his job well. And there are so many people that will make, like I just said a little while ago, so many excuses. Well, I'm better than that. I'm waiting for this. I'm waiting for my ship to come in. I'm waiting for this. No, get a job. And if you start off, you know, at a, at a fast food restaurant, do the best you can do and be the best you can be. You'll be promoted. You'll, you'll get that job maybe that you are more suited for, but you start where you are. And you give it your best where you are. And that is recognized by people who know that you have skills that can benefit them. Come work for me. What are you getting paid there? Hey, I'll add $5 an hour more to you because you become valuable. Because you're not lazy. Proverbs 20.13. You want to have financial peace? One of the keys to financial peace is having a biblical philosophy of finances. And then number two. That biblical philosophy means you work hard. Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied. You'll have peace, financial peace, with bread. Love not sleep, lest thou come to poverty. Open thine eyes, and thou shalt be satisfied with bread. Let's bow. Thank you for listening to today's message. We hope that the service was a blessing to you and that you were encouraged by God's Word. If you have any questions about Mayo Baptist Church, please contact us anytime. You can find contact information on our website at myobaptistchurch.com. Thanks for listening.